Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, so this week we are talking, we're, we're really getting into the meat of the Sermon on the Mount in our series right now. And this text that Alex preached on Sunday is really pivotal because it's going to set up how we're supposed to think about Jesus's teachings versus the teachings of the Old Testament. And so we're going to talk about the nature of Scripture in this episode. We're going to talk about uh, what what's up with the law and what percentage of it is abolished and all these things. We also have some great questions from all of you about some of those very same things. Uh, without any further ado, let's dive in to the complex nature of the Scriptures and all of that. Nuts. All right, we are live. Yeah, way to go. Um, it's official. And, and whether we should be live is is a better question, because I was sick over the weekend, and I have a sick kid at home that my other kid is watching, and so that's an adventure for them. Yeah, um, it, but it's She's fine. old enough to do that, to be fair, but not all day. It's fine for me, because um, the red couch actually absorbs germs, so it's brilliant. Well, I'm not sick. Um, I was sick. You're, you're going to be fine. You never get sick anyway. I've seen you sick like once. Yeah. All the time I've known you. What's up? I mean, like I'm soul sick sometimes. Yes. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> aside yeah, from yeah, that, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, here we are. We uh, are here, and we are here. We're ready to podcast. What are we talking about? <laughs> Tell us. I mean, wait. I could be. I could uh, hide my ignorance by saying, "Hey, Alex, would you catch us up on what you talked Just about this last good. Sunday?" Yeah. But I think it's the Sunday that I'm really excited about. You think so? Yeah, I think huh. the right week. But I get weeks mixed up because I'm usually prepping one week uh-huh. for the daily, uh-huh. another week for this weekend, uh-huh. and then we're reviewing the previous uh-huh. week yeah. on the podcast. Which, and in my so, defense, is exactly what I'm doing. I I know, but you're smarter than me. <laughs> so. That's true at all. I just read your paper. Um, anyway, yes, we are. Uh, this week we were in Matthew chapter 5, verse, uh, off the top of my head, I want to say 17 to 20, 16 to 20. Yeah, this is, wasn't this the foundational yeah. text yeah. one? Like the so transition? It's, yeah, and it's re- really this text that might be foundational at least. My suggestion was it was foundational to the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, where Jesus says, do not think, perhaps suggesting that someone might think, uh, that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. Yeah. Um, which in itself is a fascinating concept. Give, give and, and like what I tried to do was unpack for people just the the symmetry that we probably miss because we, we have so many different types of backgrounds and stories now. I don't think we can possibly really understand what it is now to be um, a first century Jewish person tied into their situation uh, yeah. and tied into their history because, because it was everything. Like today we talk about religious society. We talk about, you know, the secular society. And we split that up into all sorts of things. We talk about like music history we talk about food history we talk about all these different elements literature like all those different things for a jewish person all of those were tied together yeah there wasn't music outside of the the religious sphere to the same degree there is now there wasn't food like like that was said it was all used within the body of faith and religion um 
Yeah, separation of church and state is a pretty unique um, expression of humanity yeah, and, and, ever. Yes, and separation all of cultures. church and the rest of life yeah. is even weird. I mean, even think of like every classical. I bet you if you listen to any piece of classical music, uh, it has a religious element to it. But yeah. that was just what they did. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple that kind of push a little bit away from that, but for, but for the most part, it's pretty rare. Um, uh, and so it's really the 21st century, 20th century that started to create that culture that tried to have separation between those different things. And so suddenly you get, you know, a country artist singing about like, I'm on my truck with my dog and my beer and my girl and like all these different things. Like, and it, again, different world. So, so for us to understand like how... <laughs> how things operate, even a couple of hundred years ago. Um, you know, when, when John Wesley was going around street preaching, John Wesley was entertainment in a place that didn't have entertainment. So, so like, it was good, clean fun to watch a guy preaching. Like, that was, that was what he did because it was interesting. Um, and, 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 and we just, yeah, to us now, it's just, a, it's, 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 what's this guy doing? Um, so, so for a Jewish person, when you start a story with, there's a mountain, there's God revealing himself in a new way, and there's a new way to be human revealed. There's yeah. a symmetry of like, oh, we've definitely done this before. There's definitely been a mountain before. God definitely revealed himself in a new way, and there was definitely a new way to, to be human. So the symmetry between the crowd in Matthew chapter 5 and the error of wrath that leads leaves Egypt in... Exodus 16, is it maybe? Um, this ragtag mixed multitude of, of people, uh, yeah. the motley crew, is so similar. Yeah. And, and the, the, the tension question in Exodus is, who are they? Um, because they're, you know, 300 years in Egypt at this point. Uh, so, so. Yeah, you don't spend a lot of time getting to plan out like who do we want to be as a culture you when you're well, enslaved no and then you have a whole <laughs> bunch of people like it's not just israelites that go a whole other bunch of people go with them that don't have the same stories don't have the same background yeah and then we see that with jesus he starts healing people people from the decapolis people from all these different places again same thing people with this similar stories so what you're saying is this is like jesus is sort of setting up a new exodus yeah, and a new, um, yeah, a new Mount Sinai, or a giving of the law, or for, uh, not if that's not the helpful way of describing it for some of you out there, it's the this is the new Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a great way to say it, and and I think my, the writer Marcus Borg he, he does a pretty good job tying in, um, the idea that the, the biblical stories centered really around three big stories the exodus, the exile, and the priesthood. And Jesus reveals himself to be like the answer to all of those things. Um, yeah, so so this is the setup. Uh -huh. And everyone's like, oh, he's doing it. He's yeah, going yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Everyone with, there gets with, it. With, with, with perhaps a mixture of optimism and terror. Yeah. Perhaps individually a mixture of optimism and terror. But also like grouping-wise, there's probably an optimistic group that's like, oh, thank goodness. Like we've desperately needed something new. Um, and then another group that, like yeah um or maybe yeah like this is the worst thing ever he's a heretic and then there's the middle group that's kind of like i have no idea what to think yet. yes yeah yeah and even just not i mean you don't even need to label them as like 
people that are angry that he's a heretic. There's probably a whole bunch of people that are fearful. It's probably the same feeling I'd have of, of someone turning up at South and standing up and giving a prophecy saying, we should all just do house churches from now on. We should sell the building, give away all of the proceeds to people that fund things for the poor and everyone meet in homes and we don't need any pastors anymore. And there'd be part of me that would be like, ooh, like, that sounds interesting. Like, that sounds very first century church. And then there'd be another part of me that's like, but I also have a family to feed. And I have, like, there's a shift there that there's going to require I yet, some... I've yet to cultivate any other skills. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm useless at anything else. Um, so, so I think that, like, it's not necessarily that they're bad people, but just... Yeah, yeah. You there's see a, a change like that. There's a change, and so, and so that's that's the setup <laughs> to this text. Yeah, and yeah. then he says, uh, "Do I think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets?" Which he hasn't. But <laughs> when he says, "I do not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them." There's probably some reaction that's like, you're not instilling us with a lot of confidence here. You're not necessarily making it better. You're not, you're not taking away some of our fears. What do you mean by fulfill? Because that could mean a lot of things. Because um, yeah. he really has that language of bring them to their completion or bring them to their true purpose. Um, yeah. Which, which oh, and then for, for those who've already heard some of his teaching, they're like, false. You absolutely are. Yeah. Like yeah. you've are even the fact that you're talking to some of us is like feels contradictory yes. to the law. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah you've just yeah. announced a whole bunch of people that we know aren't blessed are also blessed. Um, so, so law and law, the law and the prophets is a, is an interesting phrase because. So here, sorry to interject here. Um, is is your wife's name the same as the law? <laughs> You, you you say Laura and prophets. Laura and the prophets. Laura Maybe you're and just... the Laura and the Pro- I just run words together. Uh, perfect. All right. Everyone uh, does. But... Are you married to the Laura? Laura the Laura. That's what I call her, the Laura. Uh, everyone, everyone. Yeah, it's sorry. No, He's it's, also it's a little stuffy, but I had to call it out. I uh, I, I thought yeah. you said Laura. Laura and the prophets. Well, I thought you were going to say something that Laura told you, no, and no, then you were no. talking about the law, and no, I was no, like, oh, it's, wow. It's, it's a good reminder, if nothing, not to slur my words, which when you, you've been sick is probably more notable. Have I stolen your train of thought? No. Perfect. I'm ready to go. Go for it. The law or the prophets. Uh, I'm just going to really <laughs> pause on lots of words um now you know how i feel when people call me out for totally because i was like i was broken i threw it for like three episodes you are yeah um it it actually could be a very specific term yes there's you know the the books in the old testament there's obviously the the section known as the law or torah the books of moses specifically there's the the prophetic books known as the prophets Then there's also the wisdom literature, which kind of gets lumped in with that at times. Then there's mm-hmm. uh, the historical books. And there's, and for a Jewish person, does Daniel qualify as a prophet? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Um, but, but there's all these different things that fit together. But in the first century, there's lots of historical evidence that suggests that the law and prophets was just a, a well-used group term for everything that's been written is um, it, isn't there like a term inclusio that would be something that somebody who's currently in seminary would remember 
<laughs> someone who left seminary. Like well, I think that's the term, inclusio. It's oh. it's. I think. Familiar. All right, so I'll define it. I'll just decide. And then if I'm wrong, yeah, someone fine. call me out because there is a term for it, uh -huh. and I think this is the one. Okay. It's the like, um, neither height nor depth. Okay. Uh, alpha and omega. Yeah, 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 it it's sense, yeah. you say two things, but it's designed to envelop all the yeah, things. That would make sense. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, this could if be that's one not of those. the word, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to research everything that was written. That's scripture. That's like the writings. That's like how God has spoken. That's faithful witness to our journey. That's that, don't, don't think I've come to abolish those. Um, yeah, that's it. Way to go. Look at that. Nerd points for the podcast. <laughs> Um, then he says, for truly, I tell until, uh, truly, I tell you until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any mind means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Some delightfully nerdy little elements to that. Um, the jot and the tittle of the Hebraic alphabet. Uh, yeah. Not is the smallest letter by size. Uh, and, and tittle is this little amendment that turns the letter bet into the letter calf. Um, again, and if you can remember that, you know as much about Hebrew as I know. Uh, well, that's more than I know, because <laughs> I've not taken Hebrew yet. Um, so we're talking about some of these little markings. In this case, with, with, with jot and, and tittle, yeah, jot is, is, is actually an individual letter. Yeah. Um, and is I that... can't see one there. Um, if you keep going for people who are watching, you might see a yacht. I, oh, there we do. Oh, hold on. Is the one there? Yeah. Just on the... I don't know. What, what okay. Uh, uh, anyway. Yeah. Right here? There. Yeah. yeah. This little... Yeah, a little that swirly. Guy. A little swirly. Um, so that's somewhat equivalent to our letter Y or J, really. Um because Hebrew doesn't really have a hard J sound in the same way. Um, and then tittle is this tiny little amendment that you might see on a letter like here. Oh, I lost it. Oh, you lost it. I lost this and, little and people tail, trying to listen. Right? Yeah, a little tail. Uh, very similar to what we would do to take an, uh, an O and turn it into a Q. Yeah. Um, just a little, little change that means something. But you could miss yeah. if you were um, not familiar with the alphabet. It's a fundamental change, but the tiniest change you can make from one letter to move it to, to make it another. So Jesus says, "Not even that will be taken out." Yeah. And then again, same as fulfilled. He throws in this term that maybe doesn't give a ton of comfort. That's like well, until it's accomplished. Yeah. So it seems like he's implying. <laughs> Maybe I'm maybe I'm giving too much away too soon, but it seems like he's implying that the law had a purpose when it was given, yeah, and it didn't reach that purpose, yeah. But I've come to fulfill that purpose. That would be a really good reading. And then the question that's lurked for a couple of thousand years is, well, what do you mean by accomplished? Because on the cross, Jesus says it is finished. That has a all the yachts and tittles potentially, right? Um, and then Paul starts saying something like, "You know, why do you live as one who's under the law?" Um, like, yeah, you know, there's there's plenty of 
moments where people have wrestled which i don't think we have time to wrestle with today like though there are some uses for the law that seem like they've carried over and some uses for the law that seem like they no longer matter uh the law of circumcision paul specifically says if you weren't born circumcised or you weren't circumcised like in your after your birth yeah um don't try and become circumcised like yeah you know which i think is like a for a yeah. lot of guys, <laughs> yeah. but, but also just, yeah, it's a spiritual thing. He's like, no, it's a, it's a mark of something else, the covenant that's, that's done. Um, so, so what does Jesus mean by accomplished is, is kind of like lurking because there's what Jesus did on the cross accomplished. There's what happens in resurrection accomplished. Yeah. There's what happens on the day of Pentecost, the giving of the spirit accomplished. Then there's the, the consummation, the final thing not yet accomplished. Yeah. So is is this just are we in that period where we're still waiting? I would say that's reasonable reading. But you had a thesis essentially of what he means by accomplished, right? On Sunday, did I? Well, I think you impl- at least you implied one, sort of. Tell me what I implied, and I'll what tell did you I teach? I implied it. This is did the I, beauty of preaching. Did I imply it, or did you infer it? That's a great question. All right, so I. What I heard as I so attentively listened to what you implied (laughs) um, was that what he meant was the law was always meant to transform us both behaviorally and heart. Yes, I did definitely. And you even like you even get that you called it out Mm -hmm. on Sunday that you that's not entirely a new idea. There's mm. hints of that all throughout the old Testament, like in the yeah. psalmist, in the prophets where he's like, we're moving this thing to the heart. Yeah. Like it's no longer just about the action. It's yeah. moving to the heart. It's moving to the heart. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't want your sacrifices. I want the heart. I don't want your sacrifices. I want uh-huh. you to actually do justice yeah. from the heart, all these things anyway. And, and so, so what I would say is I, I did say that specifically, and I do believe that is a good reading of, um, the purpose of the law. I, I think we're still waiting for something to be accomplished. Um, and so I don't think that necessarily speaks as much into like accomplished. Uh, I think it speaks a bit more into fulfilled. If that makes sense. Okay. I think those are different ideas personally. Um, I think uh, okay. there's a, there's a, there's a passing away when everything's done. Um, but I, I, I could also stand comfortably an argument that says, no, Jesus accomplished everything on the cross. And, and so now the, the law is changed, but, but it doesn't quite help us. It, that would suggest that stuff might start passing away and the things that Jesus is about to say feel like they're very much still in play. Okay. In our, in our world today. Like it doesn't feel like we're done with the need for those things. And so Jesus will give over the next chapter, especially. He gives five what you could call extensions to the law of Moses. Um, and a couple of them are really significant changes. You might call them yachts and tittles. You might call them that. But then you'd be um, wrong because yeah. Jesus said he wasn't going to do that. He did. <laughs> um, but, but they are definitely tweaks or, or like re-emphasizing, especially the first two. Like, like when, when he talks about murder and connects it to anger, when he talks about... Um, adultery and connects it to lust Th- those yeah. are like tapping into the the original heartbeat of the law when he talks about the other two things 
Sorry, did I just say the, the first two are significant changes? No, I would say, sorry, the first two are less significant changes. Oh, yeah. The second two are more significant changes. Okay. Um, the, the first two are like, they, it pulls it back to its original heartbeat. Yeah. Um, it's got some important It's like a subtle tweak. But the second I mean, two... really big implications, but subtle yeah, tweak. Yeah. yeah. The second two is, is where it gets a little bit more complicated with this idea of fulfill and us trying to figure out what he means because... In the, in the second two, when he gets to talking about uh, divorce and he gets to talking about oaths. Um, oaths, he really seems to say they should never have been there in the first place. Or, or there shouldn't have been a, an allowance for them in the first place, in, in, in the original heart of the law. Yeah. So, so Jesus takes the, the rules around divorce and, and picks the really conservative side. He makes it harder to get divorced or to, to legitimately get divorced, but he really implies, eh, this, is, this was never a good thing in the first place. Um, we're saying with oaths, like he, he says, yeah. he actually says, no, don't do oaths, even though there's all these like different oaths written into different thinking around the law and stuff. And he's like, no, that was never good. Don't do that. Even, even if the thing you're swearing sounds good, even if you're swearing on the footstool of the great king or the city of the great king. And, yeah. You know, don't do that. So, so it's a significant yeah. shift. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm excited to talk about those ones yeah. as well. But so I want to talk, and I've already talked about it like three times because I'm so excited about it. But I want to talk about the illustration you used because you you brought out the one of the words here is, am I correct, that the word for hypocrisy is in here? It's not. Uh, it, uh, it, it, where where I, I came to it was when he says... Wait, um, the right one. Yeah, you oh. got to go back a little bit. Yeah. Where he says, "Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven." Yeah. For a whole bunch of people listening, there's probably this moment of like, uh, "That's really hard to do." These yeah. guys are re these guys spend their whole like their their job is to practice righteousness. Like mm -hmm. that's, they enter into that with everything that they are. I know it'd be like, you know, me, like I spend a lot of time reading books. It'd be like, like, unless you read more books than Alex, like you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And you're like, but Alex literally has time in his week to read books. Like, and so you're saying me who goes to work uh, somewhere else, like who doesn't just work one day a week. Ha 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 ha. Um, <laughs> Like like me, I have to do that more than he does that. That's that doesn't seem fair or possible or whatever else. Yeah. You might say to that. So so like just just on a on a basic or, or unless like, you're a, a better athlete than you know fill in the yeah, blank. like some the, the, incredible yeah, yeah absolutely the guy that like he's paid to just keep getting better than you yeah yeah uh, I was re I was saw this article about this um, marathoner who's. I can't remember the, the guy's names, but he's like, he's this up and coming marathoner and he just won the Chicago marathon a, a couple of years ago and set the world record. What? And, but the like best marathoner ever was the one who, the record that he broke. And there's conversation about like, we think he could run faster because he like, he got faster every mile through the entire thing. And That's if he could just nuts. hold the pace, he could have a sub to, to, um, Two hour, two hour mile. Or, yeah, that's just been the is it, is it the record like one fifty nine or something at the moment, or is it? Does there's no one ever broken two hours? I don't. 
know how old this article was oh. so I, I could this could be very old news but the point is this guy was training by running approximately 22 miles a day wow yeah that's that's, <laughs> and you're that's like, right yeah okay so unless your um your heart capacity and lung capacity exceeds this guy Ooh, the, the, yeah, it was recent yeah wow like really recent by the look of it chicago marathon right uh chicago marathon two, it was like he was like a minute off of the breaking the two mo no yes two hours. he was 35 seconds off he ran it in two hours and 35 seconds which so like... unless your marathon <laughs> time is better than his yeah and that's sort of the feeling that yeah. some folks yeah, have yeah, especially yeah. this crowd like there might be yeah. some people like i could still imagine this yeah um and, and, and then this is where it gets really interesting because because the only way this works is if jesus is about to reveal at some point that the way these guys are doing righteousness is not a healthy way it's perhaps not even righteousness at all and that again like think mountain new thing new way to be human there's a new way to be righteous that still fits in the old umbrella of the law code while also like taking it all, all over so so a couple of interesting things here one like he does pull it back to the heart issue but also think like whole jesus story there's going to be this moment of Pentecost. There's going to be this moment of internal transformation that's going to lead to a spirit empowerment to live out the way of Jesus. So to take your marathon analogy, which I love, it's like Jesus turning around and saying, yeah, but when I say that, remember, actually, you were supposed to be doing the marathon on an electric bike. Like, like you, yeah. you, you, you're not supposed to be running it with your own human effort. You're supposed to have rocket shoes or whatever cool yeah. like invention there might be. Yes, um, rocket shoes. That's like, like, so, so, so <laughs> he, yeah, I asked Alex just likened the Holy Spirit to rocket shoes. I yeah, love that. Yes, um, in some way, <laughs> some weird way, like this really personal rocket shoe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> respectfully, man, hopefully. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so, so, a mad, so somewhere there's that whole conversation going on under the surface. And so when Jesus in Matthew 23 starts laying out all of the ways that the, the Pharisees have kind of done the law, but not really. He, he constantly uses this word, hypocrite, um, which really means actor or mask wearer or kind of two-faced element. Um, and then he specifically brings up these different examples. He'll say stuff like, you, you make sure you tithe the smallest, like the, the tithe, every part of your deal and pulls out all these random herbs, that, like these small little things that they're actually making sure they give 10%, but you don't feed poor people. Um, you, you're like a tomb that is really clean on the outside. Somebody's polished it up and it looks great. It's got a fresh coat of paint, but inside there's still dead men's bones, which is, is probably my favorite one. Yeah. That, that's just got to feel like, as a, as a Pharisee, yeah. you just got to feel like that's like, just brutal. Yeah. That's like that's like street fight stuff. Yeah. Um, Have you ever seen these like smack talk competitions or something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus yeah. wins. You yeah, know, it's totally. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Your like, heart is full of like dead eight men's mile, bones. Eight mile know? like rap battle, but in a really spiritual way. Yeah. Um, they have no no real answer to this. Uh, like their best, their best, um, their best response to him is basically something like in John chapter eight, 
they essentially say something like, you don't even really have a beard yet. You clearly, can't, <laughs> you, you clearly like, you clearly can't know Abraham. You're not even 50. Like, yeah, it's like, it's, that's their best comeback. Yeah. Um, that's funny. So, so that, that all like, is this, this just interesting developing picture of, of, what he says so the image that you're talking about that i pulled out i showed this little clip from from this beautiful tv show called extras uh the guy that invented the office ricky gervais came up with this idea for a show where the show would focus around the people that are extras in a movie like the people that nobody talks about so all the main characters are extras just trying to make it just trying to you know and and they just his main character uh andy just just by i think it's andy i'm remembering right someone will pull me up on that um it is um it is constantly interacting with these like uber celebrities yeah so like you end up with patrick stewart on there and he comes across as this total creep because he's acting a part while playing himself and then in this episode he comes across ian mckellen who plays gandalf the wizard who comes who is the like the most humble gentle guy you'll ever yeah meet and who comes across as this like super pretentious, super self-involved uh, actor? Like whose opening line is, is essentially like, "How do I act so well?" It's just, I mean, just. <laughs> and, and, then, and then his explanation is like the most dense, yeah. like or like pathetic, yeah, 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 explanation yeah, yeah. I ever. I pretend to be whoever it is that I've been, who's ever, whatever character it is that I've been asked. I imagine what it's like yeah, yeah. to be a wizard. So he lo- and then he looks at he looks at Ricky Gervais. And, and then like, I act yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, don't know what to say. The words were written down for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, just, just beautiful. And, and even he's just constant. Like he'll look at Ricky Gervais and he's like, "I see you're confused." He's like, "No, no I'm not, I'm not like, confused. Like this is like this is like acting 101. It's it's less than one on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or one on one. Yeah, it's it's the thing you know before you go to acting 101. Yeah, yeah. 101. Um, and so yes, he talks about his process, um, which is you know is Ian, Ian, Ian. Action wizard, you shall not pass. <laughs> see him, see him, and, and on to like it's this instant change. The camera's running, and the mask is on. You're pretending to be someone else, and there's a potential that that's a way to do spirituality. Yeah, like there's a potential that that's the way to follow Jesus, or the way that we think we follow Jesus. There's the rest of the the rest of the the day. Uh, there's the rest of life. There's a moment where you pull into the parking lot, perhaps. Moment where you step into a church. Moment where you're with your religious friends instead of your other friends. And and you you have to go through the process of see and see and see and wizard, you shall not pass. Or yeah. you know, I'm me, I'm me, I'm me, and suddenly no, no, I'm I'm me, the Jesus follower. Yeah. But it's different to that. And you had a great like Yeah, I was like a little bit disappointed because yeah, I was yeah, so excited so about this illustration. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I was just waiting for you right at the end of the illustration to say, you know what? But the invitation Jesus is giving us here is to actually become the wizard. This is why. Oh, man, that would have been so good. That would have been such a mic drop. I would have just said, and Jesus wants you to become the wizard. Boom. Walk off stage. And I was like, crowd goes wild. I was like, you kind of, you implied it all over the place. And so it still was super duper effective. But I was like, did you infer it? 
Maybe all the best things you said, I never know. I've actually not said anything. For some reason, you think I'm amazing at this, and everyone's like, I'm not getting that at all. Anyway, I just thought it was, um, but that's kind of what he's saying is like, there's a way of approaching the law and the prophets in, in, where you're no longer doing the play acting yes. thing and this, you're this, actually so becoming is, the wizard so, so there's actually another like conversation around acting that if if I, I wasn't already running way over time or the service wasn't already running way over time i, I would have thrown in but but so, so there's a whole style of acting called method acting where you actually turn yourself into the character yeah you live it out 24 hours a day uh, there's like a few like huge proponents of it. Daniel Day-Lewis is hugely into this. Uh, Dustin Hoffman is hugely into this. So so this like is like where the old school crowd meets, uh, I mean, at, at the time, the new school crowd, the, the method actors. Um, th- there's this moment during the, mo- the, the filming of the movie Marathon Man, uh, which has Dustin Hoffman, classic method actor, and Laurence Olivier, classic old school uh, stage actor. Uh, and Dustin Hoffman gets fully immersed in his character of this, this kid that's trying to run a marathon. Uh, and like, you know, Laurence Olivier just doesn't get it. And, and Dustin Hoffman's trying to explain, like, I'm just trying to like play my part. I'm just trying to get into the part. And Laurence Olivier looks at him and says, well, my dear boy, you could try acting. Like, cause to him, that's what you do. Like acting is playing a part to method actors. No, it's, it's no longer a part. And, and we've actually seen how like, that's what led um, Heath Ledger into this really dark place filming Batman. Yeah. Um, the dark Knight. you know, he's, he's thinking this like psychotic joker, joker yeah. all the time and his thoughts get darker and darker and darker. And he lands in this really uncomfortable space. Um, but but that gives us a little bit of a glimpse of like a, a of a difference like between someone who does the process of see and see and see and action wizard you shall not pass. It gives us the mindset of of someone who says like yeah you might say action, but nothing changes. To them, their whole life is now immersed 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 in wizard 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 action wizard like it doesn't change. Interesting. Um, uh, and so that gives us maybe this window into like how Jesus is going to start seeing spirituality or start shaping a new way to be human for his followers. Huh? Um, you so are, good. yeah, as you beautifully said, you are the wizard. You are the wizard. You are the wizard. Uh, well, we do have some questions this week. Yeah. Um, and I want to give some time for those other than my nerdy excitement about an illustration. Um, our know. first question is we read in Matthew 5, 18, that not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will be by any means disappear from the law until it's been accomplished. It seems to be widely accepted that the that some Old Testament law, such as purification rituals and temple sacrifices, are no longer necessary. And there is... Sorry, as I burp. Uh, and there is a debate about the necessity of others. How do we discern which laws have been a quote unquote accomplished or fulfilled Ooh, and which ones man. have not? This is like this. This feels like 
This is classic seminary. So this feels like wow. This is right wow. Thank you. Thank you for this incredibly difficult question. Uh, oh, you're you're saying I have to answer this question? I'm saying like it, it feels like it lands in the the perfect realm of a second year seminary student. All right. Well, I think it goes back to, I mean, the message you gave. Again, you implied this, uh, or I read into it. Uh, one of the two, but I think. All of them are accomplished. Yeah. In the sense, or which one you said you accomplish or fulfilled? Fulfilled. Fulfilled is the one you preferred. Yeah. Yeah, So all of them are fulfilled in the sense that, again, those laws had a purpose behind them. Mm -hmm. And what Jesus seems to be doing with the new covenant, with the Sermon on the Mount, with Mm -hmm. his teachings, with the, the invitation of the kingdom is to say, oh, the agenda hasn't changed. Yeah. Those were a means to an end. Yes. And so is my <clears throat> method. It's a means to an end. And that end has is identical. It's always yeah. been my kingdom. It always will be my kingdom. That That's what I mean by none of it will be abolished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're still on the same plan right from the get-go. I wanted humanity to thrive inside of their design. Yeah. I wanted my kingdom here on earth. I wanted communion with my people. And the law was a means to that end. Yes. And so agenda on track. I'm not cutting out any of that. Instead, I'm going to offer you some new mechanisms by which to access that same end. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I think what I would, would maybe add into that is there are these, these different types of laws that we see that function differently as part of this overall law code, right? There's, yeah. so, so there's, there's the, the, these ethical laws that, that predate Sinai, that predate the giving of the Ten Commandments, way before God says to Moses, write down, do not murder, and we'll wrestle with that this week. He says to, to, to Noah, any man who kills another man, you know, his life will be required of him. Like the, the, there's these old laws that are Which then back. God breaks right away. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fascinating. And yeah. we'll try and get to that this week as well. Or <laughs> yeah. at least in the podcast next week yeah. as well. So, so there's, there's, there's all these different like ethical things that seem like for the most part, they, they still hold sway, even if there's a different way to live them out or, or, or yeah. Yeah, different like way of yeah living them all the time. Um, then there's the purity laws that that seem to operate differently and there's this great story with, with these that that really comes out in acts chapter uh 10 and 11 where i think is it or oh, 8 and 10 is it where where peter is meeting with a bunch of new potential followers of jesus who for the first time are gentiles not jewish uh, and as he's praying and waiting not knowing that he's waiting, a, a blanket of different food comes down and, and God says, take and eat. And he's like, but these are unclean animals. Uh, and so when you go back to some of these old purity laws, the fascinating thing is like, if you were to try and find an overarching message that, that I could find in the why this animal and not this animal, the message might be no oddballs allowed. Like the, the message might be only a certain group that are pure are allowed. And anyone who doesn't fit, not allowed. And, and huh. that trajectory continues all the way through the Old Testament. You're pure. You're a holy people. Stay separate. 
to not mix with the people outside and working through you as a group of people. Jesus comes, does his fulfillment moment, something is accomplished. Uh, and then there's this mo moment where uh, it turns out that there was never really a problem with rock badgers, um, that that wasn't the message, <laughs> that, that actually, like, no, all of these things are okay. And everybody all over the world is included in this new thing. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be a huge part to me of the, the food laws in, uh, as a specific element. Um, yeah, but it's still the same thing. They're, they're just a means to yeah. end. God's yeah. trying to accomplish something in the world, and he uses the law and the prophets to do that. He uses uh, a bunch of different things, which is why, actually, I think this is one of the reasons a lot of Christians and non-Christians, you know, the thing, some of the things they struggle with most about the scripture is how the scripture contradicts itself. Yes. And if you were to treat the ends uh, or the means as ends, then yes, there's lots of contradictions. Like if, if um, the law, if I'm trying to say, this is bad, this is good. Don't do this, do this. And if that's the end of the story, the only thing is to know God hates this. God loves this. God hates this other thing. God loves this other thing. If that's the entire purpose of, of Christian faith, then there's contradictions all over the place. Yes. It's going to be maddening. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually you're going to be like, this is an incoherent worldview. Yes. But instead, if you approach the scriptures, which I think that there's hints all throughout the old Testament and the new Testament that say, I have a, I am, I have a larger thing that I'm trying to accomplish and I'm using the law and the prophets. I'm using these laws, rules, regulations as a means to achieve those. And then when something shifts in culture, yeah. when sh something shifts in the, in like, the reality of how humans work in the world, like say the Holy spirit of God living inside yes, of us, absolutely. then the, the game changes. Like totally, yeah. the variables change. Yeah. Therefore the rules change. Yeah. And I think that, that we have a tendency because we love details because we love like concreteness and we love black and white. We have a tendency to try and read something like Jesus is saying here and say like, okay, well like, isn't he saying we're keeping everything? Well, he clearly isn't saying that because he doesn't even do that himself. Like he he um, he has this moment walking through the fields with his disciples and they're picking off bits of grain and he's like, yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, and when uh, he's asked about it, he's like, David did it. Yeah, you. yeah. He, he, he's so, like, so, whoa, so whoa. There's okay. already these things that he's like, you know, he, he doesn't obey the purity laws in terms of who he can come in contact with. Um, he already is shifting some stuff. Again, maybe just to get to the heartbeat behind it. But but from just a detailed ah detail perspective, probably not obeying everything, and and we'll see this repeatedly over the next um, certainly this week and maybe in some of the other weeks, as he talks about anger, he talks about if anyone uses this word and this word, one of those is a word he uses, like so he's not just saying never use these words. Oh wow. I so spoiler alert that's an interesting idea huh so yeah we tend to look at that and say oh look jesus said never say that Which that's great because i said. never say rock yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah but that's not the point um and so that that's the hard part of wrestling with jesus from a 21st century mindset especially in an evangelical world that's like, just give me the concrete thing that I have to yeah, do. Just tell me the rules. Um, and actually, I'm, I think that that's just a cop-out. 
Like, yeah, Jesus wants to invite us into a higher way of thinking, processing the world around us. And there are rules. There's definitely things that are really, really bad for you. Uh-huh. And Jesus highly recommends you do not do those things. Yeah. But and, there are, there's a me, there's a bigger purpose behind these. Rules. And, and here's the, especially with what you said about the, the gift of the spirit. This is something I try and remind myself of. When I get lost in, have I got every single detail right? That's, poor preparation for coming to know a God who often goes off script. Mm. Like, like, like in actual fact, it makes it less likely that I hear what God has for me. Um, because again, my mind is the letter. And again, as Paul says, like, no, 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 there's the letter. Yes. But there's the spirit. Um, and, and so what I hate is for people to miss out on, the voice of the spirit who's guiding them because all of their attention, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm certainly not saying like, don't read scripture. I think in actual fact, no, read it more. Um, like keep yes. reading it, keep imbibing it, keep taking it in, but, but try not to, to, to read it constantly in this way that over emphasizes every tiny detail and, and constantly needs God to say, or the scripture, sorry to say, in this situation, do this black and white thing. Yeah. Because, because if there's one thing scripture as a whole teaches us is this God goes off script. Well, and it's, it's for a long time. I've, you know, I heard, I've heard people say things like, well, I just take the Bible seriously. And what they, what they mean is I read it. I take the plain meaning of that. And I say, that's the rule and I'm going to apply it. And I think if you look at the nature of this incredible piece of literature or pieces of literature that God has given humanity to take it that plainly is not taking the Bible seriously. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's actually, it's not, it's not digging deep enough. It's not letting it mess with your soul enough. And so, yeah, it's similar to what Jesus said. We're not saying abolish the law. Mm -hmm. I think he, that's what he's saying is like, no, I take it deadly serious. I take it so serious. I want it to work its way all the mm. way to the core of who yeah. you are. That's how deadly serious I take the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is saying. And I think we're saying the same thing. Um, oh, read it. Let it mess with you. Mm-hmm. Be confused. Mm-hmm. And don't just take the plain le- reading of it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's probably the weakest reading. Of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And especially like asking that beautiful question, God, what are you saying to me in this moment through this? How might my heart be transformed? And how are you really revealing ways it isn't transformed right now? Because it's mm. very easy to jump. I wanted to write a book at one point called uh, called Saint to Pharisee or something like, or Sinner to Pharisee or something like that. Because I think that's uh. this huge shift that we see. People come to know Jesus um, and that's how they start. And they end up, in fact, we know that's what happens because Paul specifically says that has happened to a whole church of people yeah. in Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, having started with the spirit, are you now seeking to become perfect through the flesh? Yeah. So, yeah. One more question here. Uh, I've consulted the Bible project. Jonah is. I I, I want to know if that's just him sassing us because. Probably. No, I don't know. I don't know who this is, but. (laughs) I know who it is because he says who it is. Oh, really? At the end somewhere later on it? Oh, yeah. I see it now. I've consulted the Bible project. Jonah is mentioned in. Second Kings fourteen twenty three through twenty five. Why would a parable 
author use a real person to make up a parable about? Yeah. But here in my character, here's my character question. When Alex talked last week about Jonah, he did a non-denial denial. He said, I have no problem with that, which was like Chevy Chase in Fletch saying, as far as you know, or Mark McDaniels saying, not to speak of. I wonder who wrote this question, Mark McDaniels. Yeah, I wonder. It's so weird. Um, on is, is affirmative a one negative in a is in my example. Okay, wow. I'm just not smart enough to read your question. Can I look at the question? Is, aff- is affirmative a one negative in my example? I think it's or is affirmative. Yeah, I think it might have might yeah. have been an autocorrect error. Yeah, yeah. But he's so smart. Yeah, actually, that I'm like I'm maybe assuming just, that yeah, that's actually a word. Thing. <laughs> so, right, so, so really, what he's asking yeah, when we when we talked about our individual worldview should we use the statement should we use statements like that lawyers and government personnel are good at using these kind of techniques and it's hard for me to know actually what they think i could give an example my lawyer told me about in the judge and so on and so forth but yeah so what he's getting at is when you say i have no problem with that it's almost like saying uh Either one's good. Where's your actual opinion behind the thing? Yeah. Uh, so, so, and I think, I think, but what he, what he points to is actually like this really interesting element that, that I actually think the best evidence that Jonah was a real person, although I would say maybe I would say the reason I believe Jonah was a real person is because Jesus talks about Jonah as a real person. Um, now, now I know that there's some other people that would say, "Yeah, but that necess- doesn't necessarily mean that he was." That, that's again, I'm going to use the same thing. Like, I'm not going to break fellowship over that with someone. I happen to think Jonah was a real person. What we were trying to talk about last week specifically was, you might get that right and miss the point of Jonah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it goes back to some of what we're wrestling with here, like. Like if your point, if your, if your wrestling with Jonah is around, is it legitimately possible for there to be a fish that can eat a human, and they can stay alive for three days and be spat out on an ocean shore? Um, you might have missed the point of Jonah. Yeah, uh, you spend instead you'll spend time researching and finding these rare cases where. Animals have swallowed humans and, and they survive. And then, yes. and me, meanwhile, the book of Jonah is saying, hey, that wasn't the point. And, 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 <laughs> and even, even if you couldn't find an animal that could do that, that would be fine as well. Because when God is in play in a situation, since when do those rules apply? Yeah. Um, so, so the point isn't that, that God made a whale at some point or a fish at some point um, that, that, we know can swallow a human. No, 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 no. There could have not been one and God could have made one. Um, Like those aren't the points of the text. And it goes back to that, that natural posture that seems to be a primarily Western thing of like, there's a detail here that I have to wrestle into. And and I'm, I'm actually fine with that. 
Um, again, to use that phrase, like wrestling the, the to non denial denial, which is the problem he has is that should we the the question is when we talk about our individual worldview, should we use statements like that? Yeah. So so I I, I mean. Th- to me, I, I tend to use statements like that because I recognize on a podcast like this, in a church like South, people are coming that uh, that from all sorts of different perspectives. And I actually don't want the debate that's not the debate to become the central debate. So, yeah. so we're, because we're actually specifically trying to wrestle with something other than, like, did Jonah happen? Again, yeah, from my perspective, it did. From my generalizing, I would say, yes, it could have done or it could not have done. I can see why you would read it either way. But but that's certainly not the point of the book. Yeah, so and, and you could believe it was absolutely historically literal, mm-hmm. and you could believe that it was absolutely historic or not literal uh-huh. historically and both of those people could still access the real meaning of the text yeah beautifully so if you come out of jonah having read the four chapters which you can read in like 4 minutes yeah. and so definitely do it. it's, it's well you can it's my favorite book yeah like i would love to teach jonah as a book it's like just the best it's book. A, too close to home already yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 the last time uh, our preacher preached through jonah he left us so yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so, so so i, I it's killer of a book it's so fun but let me say this if you read jonah for four minutes and you come out of it believing that jonah was swallowed by a fish and was spit upon uh, spit out upon a shore and went off to preach the next day but come out of it also believing that one group of people is superior to another group of people or more valuable to God than another group of people. Uh, Or if you come out believing that a whole group of people don't matter or are beyond God's reach and just only suitable for judgment, then you may as well not have read the book of Jonah. And it doesn't matter whether you believe that there was a fish that swallowed a guy or not, like because you've missed the purpose. Yeah, Because the whole purpose is centered around that idea, that God loves the Ninevites and longs for them to come to know him too. Yeah, and I think one of the big problems that, or one of the big struggles that uh, Christianity has in a uh, post, you know, the scientific revolution world is, and Western, you know, mindset is that a lot of people abandon Christianity because of these secondary questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did it happen or didn't it happen? Yeah. Well, I can't believe it happened, so yeah. I'm ditching all of Jesus and all of the this Christian movement that has been mm-hmm. uh, going through all of history. And you're, and you're just sort of like, and it wasn't even the point of the story. No. So ima- imagine like yourself back in this, con- this, this environment, the, the Jonah environment, an environment where almost universally the belief was you had a God of... A specific area, if I remember rightly, I think the term is henotheism. Um, Look at us. There's a God of a specific area who is passionate about that people group, whose powers yeah. are concentrated in that piece of land for that time and has to be placated with sacrifices and is deeply side-orientated. And imagine in that time you start hearing about the God of Israel 
who has no boundaries, who appears to people on mountains that aren't theoretically his, that nobody owns. Yeah. Um, and that this God sends prophets all the way across the world to reach other nations and to offer them a chance to repent. Suddenly that God starts to sound just a little bit special in amongst all these other gods that are deeply partisan, deeply side-orientated, uh, deeply concentrated in their own land. Suddenly this God is a little bit bigger and a little bit different, and it's uh. a step on this road towards the revelation that Jesus ultimately brings, which is, for God so loved the world. Not for God so loved Israel, not for God so loved um, the Jewish people group, not for God so loved the Mediterranean area. Um, yeah. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That That is a different kind of God. So, um, yeah, so... Uh maybe mark who wrote this question if you if that uh doesn't fully answer your question i i'm not sure how to approach it but the reason uh it's it feels comfortable for us to use non-denial denials is because we're not talking about first order issues we're talking about secondary issues where it's like the the weight of that in our worldview is secondary. Like, mm. I'm not going to say that you're right or wrong about mm. this particular issue because it actually isn't the point of the thing. Mm. Now, if we were talking about first order issues, like let's say something in the Apostles' Creed, uh -huh. uh, like the Trinity, I could, you could, you know, I don't know, I could perfectly be happy saying that you're a Christian and you completely deny the Trinity yeah. or something like that. Then we, whoa. Yeah. Hey, hold up. That's a non-denial denial that I think is off limits if you're going to categorize yourself as a Christian yeah. specifically. Yeah. I think that's that I, I would I would agree with that. So and so so I think there's this yeah, in actual fact to use your analogy, I think if from for somebody listening that level of historicity historicity in in Jonah is a first order issue i'm actually okay with that like if this for you is a first order issue um that that's that's actually fine i think um huh. as long as the fact that the, the the conclusion of jonah that god is for people all over the world and not for a people group one people group isn't a second order issue well okay i might challenge that and here's why it feels like a first order issue is like one worth breaking fellowship over as far as like you're no longer a part of what we call a Christian community, part of the yeah, Christian that family. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. And so if you were to say, if you were to say, if you don't believe in a literal historical Jonah, yeah. I ostracize you, you're actually going uh, exactly um, opposite of the meaning of the text. Yes. You're denying people. And you're rejecting people just like Jonah wanted to reject Nineveh. And this becomes a little complicated because deciding, like, it's not like there's, there's a clear list in Scripture of these are first order issues. Absolutely. And these are a second. So, so the the wonderful Billy Graham, who's a personal hero of mine, yeah, technically isn't a good Baptist or wasn't a good Baptist, yeah, because he took communion with his wife, who's a Presbyterian. Um, and and a, a real Baptist, I'm quoting, air quoting doesn't do communion with Presbyterians. 
because yeah. a real Baptist only does communion with people that do full immersion adult baptism. Yeah. So, so like, is that a first order issue to a Baptist? Yeah. Um, like, it's first order. Yeah. Yeah. To to be considered a Baptist now, yeah. but then, but it's a second order issue to be considered a Christian. Hopefully, but but there's there's whole conversations about like you know, between people like Whit- Whitfield and Wesley wrestling through these things of like, would I give him the right hand of fellowship? Oh, I don't know. Like there's, there's times where they get yeah. a little like, so, so it's, it's always just a little bit interesting. Yeah, it is tricky. Cause, cause we're, we're trying to come to some consensus. What I will say about this question finally is this, the, the hardest part of this question for me was um, that he used Chevy Chase and Mark McDaniels as like the same example. <laughs> uh, and I really love Mark McDaniels. I don't care at all for Chevy Chase. So now okay. I'm just worried, Mark, that I'm going to associate you with uh, Chevy Chase. Which I oh man, to... the hardest part about this question was the fact that I couldn't read a word that probably wasn't even a word. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see you all next week. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Bye. Oh wait, I'm not shutting it off right now. Now bye. <laughs>